what do you understand about the law? He said, I understand that I should love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my spirit, and to love my neighbor as himself. Jesus said, you've answered correctly, but wanting to be justified, he said, who is my neighbor? And in that situation, when he said, who is my neighbor, Jesus told this parable, a certain man. You may remember in one of the earlier sermons, we circled every time that word certain was there because he was dealing with just this one man. Traveled from Jerusalem to Jericho. We've spent a lot of times on that terrain and that stretch of road and what it looked like between Jerusalem and Jericho. We talked about how <coughs> it was a, a uh, many roads to get from Jerusalem to Jericho, but this was the shortest. And if you're doing life every day and you're in business, you want the shortest route. You're trying to save time, maximize the time that you have. And in that situation, in that situation, many businessmen took this road. However, it was a perilous road. And on that road, as they went forward, they began to understand that they took their life into their hands. About like any road in, uh, in our country, amen? And so... Uh, but this one man fell among thieves, and they stripped him, they beat him, they took his goods, and they left him in the ditch half dead. And so a priest came by, and a Levite, and they went on about their business. But look at what the Bible says here in chapter 10. When it came to this Samaritan, it says in verse 33, But a Samaritan passed by on his journey, and he came upon him. And when he saw the man, he had compassion. He had compassion for him. As he had that compassion, he went to where he was. And he looked at him. And he knelt down beside him and he bandaged his wounds. And pouring oil and wine on them. And then he put him on his own animal. And he brought him to an inn. And he took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. And he said, take care of him. And when I come back, I will reimburse for you whatever extra that you spend on him. Now, as we look at this, there's a couple of things I want you to write down about this traveler, about this particular neighbor. The first thing I want to talk about is the natural pathway. He was on a natural pathway. That pathway we looked at a couple of weeks ago, we showed you a picture of kind of what it looked like. It was a very narrow road. It was nothing like we could imagine as a pathway, but it was a natural pathway. People traveled that way all the time. Matter of fact, it was about 17 miles, so it was a little more than most people would travel in a day. So at a halfway point between them in the middle of nowhere, there was hotels, there was lodging, there was inns, there was places for people to stay. We understand that it was natural. People went that way from Jerusalem to Jericho. They were both two very large cities and a lot of business happening in each one. And so therefore they were traveling back and forth on that pathway, on that course of life. You may remember a few sermons back we talked about that, the course of life. And as they were on that course of life, they were just doing what they do. And what I want you to understand is that every one of us, we are on a natural pathway. That natural pathway is our course of life. It's from our house to our school to drop our children off, to our work, to our lunch place, to our meetings that we have, back to work, back to pick your children up, run down all the things that you do with them in the evening, 
grab something to eat somewhere, probably at one of your top five, and then you get something, and then you go back, and you're back at home again. The natural pathway. But it's on that natural pathway where God wants to meet with you. It's on that natural pathway where everything seems to be of the same. Oh, it's very familiar. And it's at that point where God really and truly wants to move. On a natural pathway, all of heaven can open up. On a natural pathway, disaster can fall upon you. On a natural pathway, opportunity can be presented to you. On a natural pathway, you have opportunities to say no. But on a natural pathway, it's right where God wants to meet with you. In our just one testimony today, Zach was on a natural pathway. He grew up in this city. He understood this city. He spent his life in this city. As he said, it was my backyard. But on that natural pathway, God began to fan the flames for something that was more than just the natural. You see, God wants to meet us where we are, but he has no intention of leaving us there because his word says that our eyes have not seen and our ears have not heard and we can't comprehend all that God has in store for us. Do you believe that today, church? Do you believe what the word of God says? But on that natural pathway is where we have not just opportunity, but it's the place where hate lies. It's the place where disdain lies. Think about the natural pathway of our nation. We have people that are at war with one another. We are at a war in this nation. There's no bullets flying. But I am telling you that if you've looked at your social media feed line, no matter which one you're hung up on, no matter which one is your preference, I'm telling you, we are annihilating one another with our words. It's a place where there's hate. It's a place where there's disdain. It's a place where Americans are pitting Americans against each other. It's a place where Christians are pitting against each other. And never like a time in my lifetime, especially in this political hot mess of a season that we have, is there is, there is tension. There is political tension. There is racial tension. There is cultural tension. There is class warfare running like crazy. And what I want you to understand, that in the middle of this natural chaos that seems to be a whirlwind that is spinning out of control and that is consuming everything in its pathway, that's where God wants to show up. That's where God wants to move. In the dark of the night, in the thick of the clouds, in the spell that has been cast over us, what seems like we are spellbound, racing headlong, towards destruction it's where God says I want to show up and I want to do something special a natural pathway the natural pathway says run to your corner the natural pathway says grab hold of your roots the natural pathway says watch out for yourself the natural pathway says Secure your own self. Take care of your own self. Provide for your own self. Watch for your own family. And if you're going to do something for somebody, make sure they're of your own kind. Pick the kind. I don't know what it is. Pick the kind. When we think about this, it's where this priest found himself. 
It's where this Levite found himself. They found themselves on the natural pathway. And as we looked at the quote from Martin Luther King, the priest and the Levite walked up to him and said, if I help this man, what will happen to me? What will happen to me? Have you ever felt the nudging of the Holy Spirit on the natural pathway to do something that was unnatural? And your first response was, well, it might be a little risky. It might be a little, it might, it might, it, it might not be safe for me. Well, I want you to understand something. It was pretty risky when Jesus put skin on. It was pretty risky when he left heaven and put on the robe of flesh and quam and dwelt among us. It was pretty risky when he as a young boy was growing up and people were treating him as ordinary when we know he was really extraordinary. It was pretty risky when he began to rise up and teach the word of God as a teenager. It was pretty risky when he began to press his friends. It was pretty risky when he began to walk and say things to the religious crowd. It was driving them nuts it was pretty risky when he went to the cross it was pretty risky can i get a witness and all that happened on a natural pathway see jesus did not come to dispel to dismiss the natural but he came to redeem it see our natural nature needs to be redeemed because it's a sin nature why do we get upset when people are acting like their normal nature? You see, it's not natural for you to go out of your way. It's not natural to you for you to invest in somebody that's not like you. It's not natural to do something for somebody who can't do anything for you in return. It's not natural. It's not natural. It's not natural. But Jesus came to redeem the natural nature that it might become supernatural by the finished work of Calvary. Are you hearing me today, church? What God is saying is in the midst of the natural, he's wanting to provide a way that seems very unnatural. You see, in the middle of the natural, in the middle of race, in the middle of religion, in the middle of warfare, Jesus walked in the midst of it and said, I have come to make a new way. I have come to seek and to save those which were lost. In the middle of this natural pathway, we find ourselves in a political hotbed thinking how in the world can we vote for any of the candidates that appear on ballots. You better vote the Word of God. You better find somebody that closely aligns with the Word of God. Remember, you're not voting for a pastor in chief. You already got one. Remember, we're looking at fallen people who live with a fallen nature in a natural system that says it's all about me and we better find the way I'm not telling you what to do but I am telling you that some of them's policies are more closely aligned in the Word of God than the others and you better find that one in the middle of a natural mess you better look for an unnatural course the priest had a natural pathway the Levite had a natural pathway I could spend time talking about how churches pass over sections and portions of the city but what God is telling us today 
is that he wants us to live unnaturally in a natural world. And you say, Pastor, how do I do that? How did that Samaritan show an unnatural love in a natural way to a natural enemy? Now, you realize they were enemies. Racial hostility did not just begin. They hated each other. Matter of fact, the Samaritans hated the Jews so much that they would even take a pig and kill it and take that hog's blood and go sprinkle it over the temple when they weren't looking so that it would be unclean and they couldn't use, the Jewish people couldn't use the temple. That's pretty good hate. That was bad hate before social media had anything to do with it. They hated each other. The Jews considered the Samaritans half-breeds because they were Jewish in 1% of their life. And in the other, they were Gentiles, which made them illegitimate to the Jewish people. But when Jesus came to the natural religion that he came to first called Judaism, he, here's what he said, I must needs go through Samaria. I must needs go through Samaria because in Samaria there is people who are broken. There are people who are hurting. There are people who are undone. There are people who are different, but they need the same Savior. I want you to know that it takes the same grace, the same blood, the same atonement, the same cross, the same resurrection to redeem a person no matter what their nationality is, no matter what their makeup is, and their genetic gene pool does it does and before you get on your superior high horse about your your ethnicity you may want to do a little background check on your historical roots you just never know where they may take you How did that Samaritan show love to an enemy? Do you realize if any of the people had a right to not help him, it was a Samaritan? The Samaritan probably understood the, the uh, terminology that was placed there for sailors and captains of ships. And it was the word jettison. Sailors were the first to use this terminology. And that word jettison was if they found themselves in a storm. One of the first biblical pictures we have of this is in the book of Jonah. They found themselves in a storm going down and they began to jettison the load. They began to throw the stuff overboard, throw the cargo over the side of the ship so that it would lighten the load. When you look at this word jettison, it brings special meaning. It literally means to throw or to drop something from an aircraft or a ship. 
to jettison their loads in the sea, abandon or discard someone or something that is no longer wanted. Individuals are often forced to jettison certain attitudes and behaviors. Look at that. Look at the synonyms. To dump, to drop, to ditch, to discard, to throw out, to unload, to throw overboard. To jettison the ideas of our past. To jettison the ideas of our upbringing. To jettison the ideas of religion. To jettison the ideas of our cultural demographic. To jettison the ideas of your political affiliation. To jettison the ideas of humanity. And grab hold of the principle of the resurrection. And say this is the way. Walk you in it. To grab a hold of the principle of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of God and whoever lives to make intercession for you and I to jettison everything in our life that is not of Christ that doesn't look like Christ and come running to the mercy seat and say God I can't do it but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me get that scripture off of the wall get it off of the keychain take it off of the bumper sticker and put it in the heart and say god i believe in i cling to i rely on the fundamental principle of the word of god and i believe i can do all things through you jettison the idea the psychology of humanity that's the unnatural path it is unnatural for you to show love to your enemy. One of the things that has gripped my heart the most is a young African-American man that you've probably seen on Facebook. Probably not much on the big media. But he was going up to pol police who were in lines in racial conflict and conflict in our some of our inner cities and urban areas and he was walking up to those officers and giving them hugs putting his arms around them had a t-shirt on said free hugs and he'd walk up there and he would just give them a hug pray for him. that guy came under so much persecution from even his own people they began to say are you a fool what are you doing tell you what he was doing he was casting off the shackles of nature and walking in an unnatural pathway because there was something stirring in him that was different than what was stirring in the religious folks there was something different in him that was stirring inside of him that was different. There was something different. Out of all the masses of people, there was something different. There was something different. Out of all the lawyers, there was a certain lawyer. Out of all the ones who was in the area, there was one lawyer who was, was, not, set, was not okay with his answer, was not okay what he understood. And there's some of you today who are here in this building, who are watching at home or watching online, today you understand that some of 
the things going on in this world that's okay with your natural life isn't sitting okay with where you are today. If that is you today, I want you to stand up on your feet and give the glory to God and give him a hand clap of praise because he's doing something in your life that he's not doing in the natural world. He's doing an unnatural thing in your life. And when we release a natural life into the hands of a natural God who came to seek and to save those which are lost, he'll begin to work in a supernatural way. Wow. What a Savior. Quit fighting it. He told Paul this way in King James language. Kick, quit kicking against the goads. Modern language. Kick, kick, quit kicking against the pointed sticks. Quit kicking against me. Quit fighting against me. What God is telling us today in our classrooms, in our offices, in our softball fields, our baseball fields, our football fields, in our businesses, in our schools, in our, in our, in our shops, in our mechanic shops, in our, our lawyer, in our law offices, in the courtrooms. God is telling us to move in a supernatural way by the empowerment of a holy God. I tell you what happened in that Samaritan. Jesus did. Jesus did. Because you cannot do what that Samaritan did with a natural thinking. If he was looking through his natural ethnic lenses, he would not have done it. If he was looking through his natural religious lenses, he would not have done it. If he was looking through his natural cultural lenses, he would not have done it. But he was walking in a supernatural way. I don't know. Who knows? You remember in the story of John chapter 4? With the Samaritan woman? The Bible says when Jesus transformed her life that he went and uh, she went and got all these men that came from town. And it said many of them believed because of the word of the woman. But then they asked Jesus to stay a few more days. And then many in Samaria believed because of the words of Jesus. I don't know, church. Maybe he was at camp meeting. Maybe he was there at Jacob's well when God began to make things right with a bunch of fallen men. Maybe he was out there in the middle of racial hostility when a Jewish man is standing at, the, at Jacob's well was telling people that hated him that he loved them. They hated him, but he loved them. When he began to declare to them a new way, a way that they did not understand, a way that was not right, natural, a way that took common enemies and brought them together. How did he do that? The Bible tells us that he did that through the peace treaty of Calvary, that he took Gentiles and Jews and he made them one and he reconciled them together through the death on the cross, through the burial and the resurrection. I don't know. Maybe he was at Jacob's well. Maybe he was in the middle of the streets when that mass of people began to migrate back into town and began to say, let me tell you about a man. Let me tell you about a man who told me everything I've ever done. Let me tell you about a man who took my life and my brokenness and my failed marriages and began to heal me, began to redeem me, began to put me on a pathway of reconciliation with the Holy God. Let me tell you about a Jewish God, a Jewish man who told me about Yahweh, my God, the God of Abraham, Jacob and Isaac. Let me tell you about a God who told me as a Samaritan I was no longer a bastard child, but I was brought in by the blood of Jesus and I had been engrafted in by the power of the resurrection let me tell you about a man I don't know but somewhere 
He heard about Jesus. Somewhere, something changed in him that forced him to jettison his racial concept, to jettison his natural identity. And not only get down beside, not only kneel down beside a man who hated him, but to touch him. Not only to touch him, but to touch his blood. Not only to touch his blood, but to bandage his wounds. Not only to bandage his wounds, but to go the next step. To pick him up and put him on his animal and take him to the halfway point. See how that man just stopped him from bleeding. He'd have been a good Samaritan. And that's natural. You remember the scripture I shared a couple of weeks ago? That the Bible says if you see your enemy's donkey or oxen under a load and can't escape, that you're to release them from that load and let him go free. It was natural to keep someone from dying. But God began to move in an unnatural way. And he went from doing what was expected to doing what was never required. Took him to the end. We know that he had, we know this man traveled this way regularly because he had a rapport with the innkeeper. We knew that he had to come back there or that that innkeeper would have probably said, well, give me something to make sure you're going to come back. But he told him. Not only did he bring him to the end, but he put him in his room. And he stayed up with him all night. And the next morning, he said, take care of him. And he took out two whole days worth of wages. And he said, anything more. That you're required. I'll pay it. When I come back. I'll pay it. When I come back. Church I'm begging you. If you're watching at home. I'm begging you. To quit thinking naturally. And ask God to allow you. To start thinking. Supernaturally. To start. Thinking supernaturally. Do we really think it's natural? To before a baby's born, just minutes, to be able to suck the life from it. Do we really think that's natural? Even things that we're claiming natural isn't even natural anymore. In the midst of chaos... God is looking for just one man, just one woman, just one Samaritan to live in a supernatural way. Just one. Religion couldn't cut it. They passed by on the other side of the road. God took a Samaritan. Let me tell you something. God took a businessman. God took a businessman 
and transformed his life. That transformed one man's life. That probably transformed many. You remember the story of Edward Kimball? He found one businessman, one shoe salesman, told him about the love of Christ. And that shoe salesman said, Lord, I give myself away to you. And it started the domino effect of the birth of evangelists that led thousands upon thousands upon millions of people to Jesus. Think about that. You ever, you ever looked at the Billy Graham Crusades, the old footages? You see tens of thousands of people there. Think about that. Think about the pyramid. At the top of the pyramid was a shoe salesman. At the top of that shoe salesman, we don't even know what he did for a living. It must not have been very important. But the top of the, all those hundreds of thousands of people that came to know Christ stood one obedient layperson who went out of his way to make a difference. What a just one story. Would you drive by that story this morning? Of Zach Price. Would you drive by that? Because that's not normal church. Normal church, natural church doesn't have kids giving up their summer to invest their life missionally in the context of their city. Natural life has them going on ski trips, backpacking across Europe. That's the natural way. That's unnatural what God's doing. And now because of what started right here in this little old church, don't you despise our, the smallness of what God's up to. He moves in small things. Right here in this group, God began to cultivate a passion for Jesus. And now he says, I want to go to Southeast Asia, invest my life to reach more people like me. Who knows what God can do with just one life in the hands of a holy God if they're willing to follow. Thank you.